Amen. That's great. I appreciate the young people singing for us this morning, and uh, what a great message to that song. Amen. And we can always run to Jesus. He'll always be there for us, and praise the Lord for that. What a great group of uh, young people up here this morning, and I'm telling you, just singing out for the Lord, and I appreciate those that are uh, helping with the kids' choir and playing and finding the songs and things like that. Uh, what a great, great opportunity. Well, take your Bible this morning, open the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, while you're turning there, man, what a great weekend we had. Uh, many of the men uh, went down to a men's retreat uh, this past Friday night, Saturday, and uh, man, praise the Lord for that. Uh, what great preaching from Dr. David Gibbs uh, with Christian Law Association, just brought some powerful messages, and uh, the singing was absolutely amazing. They had uh, uh, a group there, um, and the family, and they, they sang, and uh, they had all kinds of instruments. They had the banjo, and uh, mandolin, and guitars, and I think well, that, that big thing was a bass, wasn't it? Wasn't that big thing a bass? Man, it was absolutely amazing, um, and it was just great, and so I appreciate uh, all, I'm glad all the men that were able to go to that. It was just a great weekend, and God spoke to hearts, and, and praise the Lord, we had one that got saved, and we praise God for that. We've been praying for uh, a long time for this uh, young man to accept Christ as his Savior. And yesterday, uh, on the way home, uh, he accepted Christ as his Savior, and we praise God for that. And that's exciting. Um, and just what a great weekend. And, of course, being able to start the week in the house of God, just being able to praise the Lord. Um, and so let's take our Bibles this morning, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, last week we were looking in verses 7 through 16. We're going to read those again this morning, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. It says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. Father, we do thank you that we can come this morning Lord, thank you for the great singing and the special music, and Lord, from the adult choir and the kids' choir, uh, Lord, we ask now that you would just work in our hearts through your word, and uh, Lord, speak to our hearts this morning. Thank you again for the great weekend. Thank you for uh, the young man that accepted Christ as his Savior yesterday, and uh, Lord, we pray that you continue working in his life and uh, just helping him to grow now, and uh, Lord, just help each of us uh, to be growing spiritually where we're at. Uh, Lord, obviously, we're all at different levels, but Lord, help us to always continue to be growing in our walk with you. And Lord, just bless in our service now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, last week we began in verse number 7 uh, and really kind of went through verse number 10 looking at the gifts that God has given to the church for unity. 
Uh, obviously, in the first part of chapter 4, he talks about we are to walk worthy of the vocation that we are called. And, and then in verses uh, 4, 5, and 6, he talks about the unity uh, that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, this one body of believers. And then in verses 7 through verse number 16, he talks about the gifts that he gives for unity in the body. And last week, we looked at the gifts that are given to individual members of the body. Uh, we talked about this last week, how every member has a gift. And we looked at those in uh, Romans chapter 12, the different gifts, whether uh, prophecy or ministry, exhorting, giving, ruling, mercy. These are the gifts that God gives to individual members of the body, right? And every member, we saw that every member of the body has at least one gift, some multiple gifts, right? And the purpose of those gifts are not just so that we can have them and so we can use them for ourselves, but the purpose of the gifts is to be able to use for the church, to use for the unity of the church. Uh, some people have a, uh, they, they're able to teach the word of God and preach the word of God. Some people just like to serve and kind of behind the scenes. Some people encourage and some just have a giving heart. Some are organizers, but God has used all of those gifts that he has given. These are gifts that God gives to us for the unity of the body, right? So these are individual gifts that God gives to every member of the body. Every member, if you're saved, if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, then God gives you one of these gifts, right? But then he also shows us here that there are not just individual gifts uh, for members of the body, but there are gifts for every member of the body. In other words, these are gifts that are for everyone. Right Now, again, remember, individual gifts for every member, but not every member has all the gifts, right? But these gifts that he's getting ready to show us, these are for every member of the body. Every member gets these gifts the same, right? Now, notice what he says in verse number 11. Now, again, remember, these gifts are given by the grace of God that we saw back up in verse number 7. Unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So these gifts are simply for by God's grace that we have them. But notice what he says in, uh, in verse number uh, 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now, remember in chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, we found gifts given to believers to help them fulfill their function in the church, right? Those individual gifts are given to help fulfill your function individually in the church. But here we find gifts given to the church to help the believers. These gifts are given to help the church. They're given to help the members of the body, the members of the church. And he lists several here. There are uh, four, really, that are listed here. He talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So we're going to look at these uh, this morning because these gifts are very important for the body, right? Um, how many of you at Christmas time, uh, when if you uh, have presents under a tree or wherever you wrap presents and put things, uh, you know, uh, you have kids, or I know there are adults that do this as well, but as presents start getting put under the tree, you start checking out to see if your name is on them, right? Um, you know, you're checking, okay, how many did I get compared to how many did the kids get, 
right? Uh, you know, it always seems like the kids always have more, but you know, you're checking it out, right? Um, and, and, and let me tell you something. I don't, I know in my house, I can't speak for your house, but I, I know in my house, there has never been, never, I mean, never has there ever been a gift that was left under the Christmas tree that did not go unopened. Never. I mean, even if it wasn't for them, it got opened, right? I mean, it's going to get opened, okay? Yeah, anybody have those gifts that like somebody wrapped it and they didn't put a name on it and you're wondering who it's for and you're just like, it's gotta be for me, right? There's no name on it, it's gotta be for me. And then you open it and you find out it's like a spatula and you're like, that was not for me, right? Um, you know, I mean, those gifts are, every gift is gonna get opened, right? They're all important. And sometimes we can look at the individual gifts and we can become very excited about the individual gifts, right? We want those individual gifts, but when we look at the gifts that are given for the whole body, eh, we're not really as concerned about those, right? But we have to understand that all of these gifts, number one, are given by the Lord Jesus Christ and they're all important. And that means not just the individual gifts, but even these gifts that are given for the whole body, right? And so notice what he says. He says, first, he gave apostles, right? Apostles. Now, of course, the apostles were, were foundational. They were the, uh, the ones as Jesus had the disciples in his earthly ministry and many disciples were following him. The Bible tells us in Matthew and Mark and Luke that, that as he had the disciples that were there, from those disciples he called or he chose 12 apostles, right? There were 12 apostles chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're foundational. They're unique to the early church. Uh, in fact, when we go back to Ephesians chapter 2, notice what he says, and are built upon the foundation, I'm talking about the church, it is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So the apostles were part of the foundation of the church, right? They were part of that foundation. They were unique to the early church. Um, the word apostle means one sent with a commission, somebody that has been sent and there's a purpose behind what they have been sent for. There's a, there's a commission, right? And of course, we understand the apostles were sent by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know there are only 12 apostles that were divinely appointed by Jesus Christ. Luke chapter uh, 6 and Matthew and Mark talk about the choosing of those 12 apostles. Of course, we know uh, one of them was Judas, and uh, he, he went out and he hanged himself after he betrayed Jesus. And we believe that Paul became uh, the 12th apostle in his place, chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and even in Revelation chapter 1, it tells us that there are only 12 apostles, right? There are 12 apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Uh, you say, well, I was watching a, a, a TV show or I saw this advertisement and it said uh, Apostle Barnabas was going to be coming to Eton or Apostle so-and-so was, was going to be in our area and they're doing all these different things. Uh, what about those? Uh, they are not apostles. There are 12 apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Uh, we do not have the office of the apostle anymore. Again, they were unique to the early church, right? Remember what we just read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20? They were part of the foundation of the church, okay? They're foundational, right? We don't continue to have them, right? This, this building has a foundation, okay? Your, your feet, Lord willing, 
or on the foundation. They're on the floor, right? You're, you're on the, we're not going to look up and be like, wow, what an amazing foundation up there. That's just amazing. Look at that foundation up there. No, the foundation is down here. There's, there's one foundation. Everything else is built upon the foundation, right? You don't continue having foundations, okay? And in the same way, the, the, the ministry of the apostles was very unique to the early church. We don't have apostles today in our, in our day and age. Uh, you say, well, I thought that was a gift given to the church. It was for the foundation of it. Right? It was for the foundation of it. So we do not have the, uh, the, the uh, office of the apostles anymore. That was for a temporary time. Okay? Um, uh, again, we, when we think about this, in the, as the church is being established here, there was a great need for that foundation, the apostles. But after the apostles uh, die off, those, those apostles... People don't keep filling the office of an apostle. They're, they're gone, right? And then he says the prophets, right? So we have prophets. Now, prophets are most associated with the Old Testament with the idea of predicting or foretelling future events, right? Prophets in the Old Testament have the idea of foretelling future events. Um, you know, that we think about... Um, Daniel, uh, I was reading through the book of Daniel this morning and how Daniel was able to, uh, to tell King Nebuchadnezzar what his dream was, even though Daniel didn't have the dream. Uh, Daniel was a prophet. He was able to, uh, to be used of God in that way. And so we think about these prophets that were, uh, one, bringing the word of God to the people, but also uh, predicting and foretelling future events. And again, as far as the prophets in uh, foretelling the events of future events and as far as the prophets bringing the word of God that was not revealed. Remember, God used the prophets to reveal his words to mankind, right? Uh, we don't have those prophets anymore. Again, remember, what did we just read in Ephesians 2.20? The foundation was the apostles and the prophets, Okay. Well, you say, well, wait a minute. I thought we, we just read in Romans chapter 12, there's the gift of prophecy. Yes. Again, remember, there are, there are two different types dealing with prophets. Okay. The apostles and prophets dealing with the foundation of the church are very unique because, remember, during the beginning of the church, how much of the New Testament did they have? None. They didn't have the New Testament, Right. We say, well, wait a minute, how did they not have the New Testament? I mean, we have it today. Well, yeah, we have it today, but guess what? It was the apostles that were writing the New Testament. God, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, used the apostles to pin his word so that we can have it today. But at that time, they did not. They didn't have the New Testament, right? And so God is using the apostles and even prophets in that early day to help the people understand his words, okay? Now, when we come to, when we would think of prophecy or prophets now, what we would think of in the New Testament, right? The primary function of the prophet today in the New Testament church is one who would proclaim the word of God, right? This is one who is preaching the word of God. We're not receiving any more from God as far as new revelations, okay? There are no new revelations coming from God. Now, again, I know a lot of these apostles and prophets, they say, oh, God is giving me a new revelation. God's giving me a new word. No, he's not. He's not. Because the word of God is complete. 
We're not getting any new revelations from God. We're not getting any new visions and things like this. We have exactly what God tells for us in his word. Okay? Because if, if there is something new that God is giving, that means there's something that we don't have. That means God's word isn't complete. It means we're missing something. God says, no, no, his word is complete. That's why he says, don't, don't add to it, don't take away from it. His word is complete. So the prophets today, in fact, Paul even tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and chapter 14, that this prophecy, the, the gift of prophecy, has to do with uh, understanding the, the mysteries, understanding the word of God, knowledge and dealing with spiritual truths, uh, and that the purpose of it is not for foretelling events or things like this, but the purpose of prophecy that we have today is the edification of the church. When you go back and you read in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and chapter 14, it's for edification, it's for encouragement, it's for comfort. In fact, if you hold your place here and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he actually lists all three of these things, Right? Um, and just so we understand where we're at, look in verse number one of chapter 14. He says, follow after charity, desire spiritual gifts, but rather ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mystery. So he's comparing speaking in tongues with prophecy, right? And we're not going to get into that. That's a whole different thing we can get into. Um, I believe, personally, I believe that we do not have tongues today, right? I believe, personally, we do not have tongues today, right? Um, and I, could, I can take you through and I can show you why. We're not gonna, I'm not going to do that this morning. Uh, but if you say, well, I thought we still had tongues today, and I'd like to know more about why you think we don't. Please talk with me. I'd love to sit down and go through and explain it to you. But notice what he says, because a, a lot of people emphasize speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is all about minimizing tongues. It's not about lifting up tongues. It's not about elevating tongues. It's actually about minimizing tongues, right? And notice what he says in verse number three, right? Again, in verse number two, he says, if you're speaking in an unknown tongue, you're not speaking to men. You're not talking to men. You're talking to God, right? But notice what he says in verse number three. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men for what? To edification, exhortation, and comfort, right? So as we study the word of God and we see what God says, then we're able to help others and that encourages and it edifies and strengthens and even comforts them through the word of God, through the preaching and teaching of the word, not through tongues, right? Um, and so when you, again, think about this as we're, as we're going through here. Um, and, and again, as far as foretelling or telling future events or revealing some new revelation from God, we believe that's done. That, that, we don't have that anymore, right? Now, prophets in the sense of what Paul is speaking about here in, in prophecy, yes, we believe we have those that are still teaching and preaching the word of God, right? And they're helping people to understand that. That's why one of those gifts is prophecy, he says, right? Now, again, go back with me to Ephesians chapter 4. So he talks about apostles and prophets, and then notice the third gift that he says is evangelists. Evangelists. Now, again, I believe when we look at Scripture, sometimes we see an office that today we might understand it as a different title today, right? I know there's a lot of uh, people that are in the ministry of evangelism, and I'm not against them in evangelism. I thank God for those who uh, go around and, and help and, and edify and, uh, and exhort. And honestly, 
if I could say, I think those people that do that are more in what we would just look at as the prophet, right? They're exhorting, they're edifying, they're encouraging, and that's what they do. They come in and they preach the word of God and they encourage us and, uh, and they exhort us, they comfort us, right? But the evangelist here, uh, the evangelist, I believe, is something a little bit different. I believe the evangelist is like what we would call a missionary today, right? It's a missionary. An evangelist is someone who goes, and again, still preaching the gospel, but they go into an area, they're preaching the gospel, they see people saved, they begin to disciple them and help them to grow, and then through that, they help to establish a a local church in that area, right? And and so again, when we think about that, that would would be what would describe a missionary today, right? A missionary goes to to a certain area and uh, maybe where there's no Bible-believing church and they start winning people to Christ and they see them get saved and they help them to grow spiritually. But their purpose is not to be the pastor. When, When I was a missionary in Uganda, First Baptist Church sent me uh, and my wife to be missionaries in Uganda, and my desire was never to be the pastor of that church. That was not my desire. Now, at the beginning, I was the pastor because I, I was it, right? I was the pastor. I was the song leader. I was the, uh, you know, I, we, we did everything, right? But as the church began to grow and people began to be saved, we began to train people and to help them grow. And then we were training someone to become the pastor of that church because I knew I was just the missionary, I wasn't to be the pastor there. I want somebody else to be the pastor there, right? Um, And so uh, the evangelist would go in and he would, uh, like Paul, when he went into Ephesus, he was there for several years and uh, seeing people saved and uh, helping to get a church started. Then what did Paul do? He left. Now, did he just quit? No, of course not. He left and went to another area to start another church and to try to see people saved. That's why we have Philippians. How was Philippians started? Because Paul went to Philippi and saw people saved and discipled them and a church got started. Why do we have Thessalonians? Because Paul went to Thessalonica and saw people saved and discipled them and a church got started. Why do we have Corinthians? Because Paul went to Corinth and saw people saved and discipled them and a church got started. See, that was the purpose of an evangelist at that point, right? Uh, to go out and to see people get saved. And that's why uh, we believe missionaries are so important. That's why we, we are uh, heavily involved in missions at this church and getting the gospel around the world. That's part of the commission to the church, right? Uh, to support missionaries. I can't, I'm not in Africa anymore. I'm not in uh, South America. I'm not in China or uh, Asia or uh, Europe. But man, if there are those that want to go, man, I'm, I'm excited. I wanna help send them. Wednesday night, we're gonna have a missionary uh, going to Nepal, that's a hard place. The country of Nepal, that's, that's difficult. Um, not only just because of the region that it's in, but uh, because of the Buddhism and things that is there. That's difficult. And here's a man that and his wife, they want to go to Nepal. You know what, man, if we can, I want to be able to say as a church, hey, let's help them. Let's get the gospel there. You don't want to miss Wednesday night. I, I think you'll be really blessed by that, right? Um, but that was the evangelist. They were uh, going out and, and, and preaching and discipling and starting churches and training someone to, to take over that church, um, right? And, and so that was the purpose of an evangelist. By the way, may I say that every Christian should be doing the work of an evangelist. No, let, me, let me say that again. I don't, I don't think you heard me, right? Every Christian should be doing the work of an evangelist, Right? 
what did an evangelist do? He went out and he won people to Christ. Soul winning, right? Telling people about Jesus. And then what did he do? He discipled them. He discipled them, helped them to grow in their walk with Christ. Now, I'm not saying that every, every, every Christian is going to uh, start a church, but every Christian ought to be involved in the work of the evangelist, and that is seeing people saved and then discipling and helping them to grow. Every Christian ought to be involved in that. You say, well, I don't know that I've ever, uh, you know, I don't know that I've ever gone through uh, discipleship. Well, please let me know. We'd love to go through that with you, but you don't have to go through discipleship to help somebody else grow. You don't have to. How many of you have this book right there in front of you? Do you have this book? If you have this book, you can help somebody grow. See, this, this is what you need to help somebody grow, right? The purpose of like our discipleship lessons is to just give you structure to it and, and to help people to go through it. But this is what it's all about. It's all about the word of God. And if you are able to read the word of God and you're able to understand God's word, then you can help somebody else grow. You can be an encouragement to them. You can help them to grow in their faith. You see, every Christian ought to be involved in the work of evangelists. doesn't mean everybody's called to be an evangelist, but every Christian ought to be involved in that work, right? So we've got apostles, prophets, evangelists. Then he says, the pastor and teacher. Now, I believe, and, and, and if you disagree with me, that's absolutely fine. I, I have no problem if you disagree with me with this. Some people say there are five offices here, I believe there are four, right? And again, if you disagree with me, that's totally fine. But I believe there are apostles, prophets, evangelists, and then pastors and teachers. I believe the pastor and teachers are the same office. You say, well, why do you say that? Well, notice how he speaks about, he says, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Notice the word some is not in front of teachers. You notice that? Right? I believe if it was referring to five different offices, the word some would have been in front of the teacher as well. But he doesn't put it there because I believe this is looking at the same office, pastor and teacher. Now, a minute ago, I said in Uganda, I was the missionary, but at the same time, I was the pastor trying to train somebody to become the pastor of the church, Right? Um, the, the thing that's a little bit different about that here, right? Um, I am the pastor of First Baptist Church. I am not a missionary, although I am still trying to reach people with the gospel, right? Um, I am the pastor of the church, and one day, Lord willing, if God takes me home or if God moves me to another place, location or whatever, yes, we will have a different pastor. Another pastor will be here. In fact, I love it when the young, young people... Um, a lot of these young guys, they'd be like, pastor, I'm coming for your job. I'm like, you can have it, man. <laughs> when, you're, when you're ready and you're able, come and see me because I will gladly turn it over to you. I mean, it is yours, right? Let's sign that in blood right now. It's going to be yours, right? Um, no, I think it's great. I, I think it's awesome that young people have a desire to, to serve God and, and that they want to be a pastor or a missionary, something like that. But I, right now, although we are training leaders and things, I'm just letting you all know here, I'm not planning on going anywhere. Seriously? Nobody said amen to that? Oh my goodness, wow. Well, I guess I'm not going to be here next week. What, what would you happen if next week I didn't show up? 
I know, I'm not going to be here next week. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> I'm actually not going to be here next week. So I was just going to see what you guys would say. But uh, I'm actually going to be in Georgia next week at a wedding. So, um, but yeah, that's, I'm, not, I'm not planning on going anywhere. I'm not actively trying to, uh, to say, okay, hey, my plan is in three years. I'm going to be out. And, and then I'm going to go and start another church. Now, I will say this. I think it's very important that as the pastor of First Baptist Church, that we not have a worldwide vision, but we also have a local vision as well. And I think it's very important for every church, every church ought to be starting other churches. Amen. That's biblical, right? How did the church of Antioch get started? Because the church of Jerusalem sent people out of that. How did the church in Philippi and Thessalonica and Corinth, how did they get started? Because the church of Antioch sent people out of that church, right? I think it's important that uh, First Baptist Church is involved in starting other churches. And I'm not just talking about through mission work, right? Through the missionaries that we support. Yeah, we support 80 some missionaries. And yes, they're starting churches and we praise God for that. But that's not out of First Baptist Church. Now, next year in August, um, we are planning uh, uh, to go back to Uganda. They've, they've asked us to come back next year in August because next year in August will be the 20th anniversary of the church that we help established in Uganda. Um, and we praise God for that. And Pastor John, who is the pastor of the church there, he's not a missionary, he's a pastor. Uh, he's a Ugandan man. Uh, they've asked us to come back and be a part of that, right? Part of that 20th anniversary uh, there at the church. We're looking forward to that. If that might be something you're interested in doing, you can talk with me about it. I'd love to, uh, love, it's not just for me. If you're interested in going, please let me know. But he's the pastor there now, right? Um, I am the pastor here, right? I'm the pastor of the church. I'm not planning on going anywhere unless the Lord tells me something different, right? But I believe these are the same office. Because when you look at it, the pastor, and again, throughout Scripture, we'll find the, the word pastor uh, there are different words that describe the same office, okay? Uh, when you look throughout Scripture, I believe that you find the word pastor, you find the word shepherd, you find the word bishop, you find the word elder. All of those titles refer to the same office, right? But it just gives a different idea of what that position is, right? So when we think about a shepherd, we think about the shepherd. What is a shepherd doing, right? The shepherd is watching over the flock. The shepherd is making sure they get food and water, right? The shepherd provides for them. In fact, that's what we find even in the book of Acts in chapter uh, 28. Um, in Acts chapter 28, I believe it is. Um, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 20, I'm sorry. Uh, verse number 28. Acts chapter 20, verse number 28. Notice what Paul, as he's talking to these pastors from Ephesus, in verse number 28, he says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and unto all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Right? So he's talking about the church, but he says they are overseers, right? He's talking to pastors. He's talking about those that, that God has, is helping him to oversee. The word overseer is the same word that we find as bishop. The same word as bishop. Now, please do not call me a bishop, okay? Um, don't call me bishop, right? Um, but it's the same idea because the word bishop means overseer, 
right? Now, we have different people that lead different ministries of the church. Uh, uh, the Nouses help lead our teen ministry, and uh, Brother Jay helps lead our children's ministry, and Brother uh, Paul leads our bus ministries and things like this. So they're over those ministries, but I am still overseeing those things. I'm still making sure that things are being done right on those things, okay? That's the purpose of the bishop, the shepherd, to oversee. And then as the shepherd, he's also to help feed the flock. Think about what he says here. Um, feed the flock, he says, right? Take heed therefore unto yourselves to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. Uh, why, do we, why do we meet and gather on Sundays and Sunday mornings and Sunday nights at six o'clock and then Wednesdays at seven? Because one of my purposes is to feed the flock, right? One of my purposes as the pastor and shepherd is to help feed the flock, the word of God. We're talking spiritually. We're not talking physical, right? Uh, we're talking spiritual. There's a spiritual food that the pastor is, is to help feed them. That's why uh, so much time and effort goes into preparing a message because I'm trying, to, uh, I'm trying to come up with something to help you to be able to grow spiritually. I want you to be able to grow in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? And so, uh, but at the same time, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse number 2, when we have the qualifications of a pastor, right? He says a bishop, same office, must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, right? So there is a difference between preaching and teaching, Right Now, sometimes those, the lines can be blurred a little bit there, but there is a big difference between preaching and teaching. But the pastor needs to be able to do both. He needs to be able to preach and to teach as well. Um, I, one, one person put it this way. I thought this was very interesting how they, they said this. The pastor is to be primarily a pediatrician, not an obstetrician. An obstetrician brings babies into the world. A pediatrician makes sure babies have what they need for growth. I thought that was very well put. So then, who is the obstetrician? That's you. You see, every one of us are to be trying to spiritually bring people to Jesus Christ. Every one of us. It's not just the pastor's job to win people to Jesus Christ and disciple them and help them grow. No, no, no. That's every one of us. Every one of us is to do that. And that's why he's saying here that the pastor's primary job here, when we go back to Ephesians chapter 4, right? And, and he showed us there in, in Acts is to feed the flock, right? We're, we're to feed the flock to help them to grow spiritually. Now, um, coming back to Ephesians chapter 4 uh, in, just, in just a few minutes, and we're, I thought I was going to get this into a two-part message. It's not, so, but that's okay. That's all right. But I want you to look, at, and, and this is something I was hoping to get to tonight, but the purpose of these gifts. So think about he gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, he gave the evangelists, and then pastors and teachers. Why does God give these men? Now, again, think about this, and, and please don't, uh, this is, sometimes, it's, it's hard to, sometimes it's hard to preach the word of God when the word of God is speaking about the pastor, right? But did you notice what he says? These four offices in the church, right? The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. What did he say they are to the church? What are they to the church? They're gifts. They're gifts, right? Um, and God says that 
just as we would think about the apostles and, and prophets of old and things like this, God says we need to understand these offices that God has given to the church, they are gifts of God to the church. To the church, right? And I, I think I can ask this question because I'm, I'm so thankful for First Baptist Church. How are you treating God's gifts? Now, again, I, can, I, I think I can say that because I know how First Baptist Church treats me, and, and First Baptist Church does such an awesome, amazing job with me and my family. But I can tell you this, that's not true in every church. That's not true in every church. I, I've been in churches where I have heard people in the church say, we are making sure to keep him poor. Well, that's a great way to treat God's gift. We're making sure to keep him and his family poor. Why would you want to do that to God's gift? When we have missionaries come in, you know what we want to do? We want to take care of them. We want to encourage them. We want to help them. We want to be a blessing to them, right? Why? Because they're God's gift to the church. These are, these are God's gifts, and we want to take care of them. We understand they are, there is a purpose here, right? And, and just very quickly, what is the purpose that God gives these gifts to the church for? Now, again, if you're saved this morning and, and you're part of the body, you understand God says, I'm giving these. These are gifts by the grace of God given to the church. They're given to the church, right? Now, watch what he says in verse number 12. For the perfecting of the saints, so notice the very first thing that God says that the gifts that are given to the church, the very first thing is for the perfecting of the saints. Now notice the very first thing that he did not say is so that the pastor can do all the work in the church. No, he says the perfecting of the saints. Let me ask you a question. Who are the saints? Say, well, I think St. Christopher and St. Jude. And... No, those are not saints, right? The saints are the believers in the church, right? If you're saved, you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know what you are? You're a saint. Isn't that amazing? God says you're a saint because you belong to him, right? And he says the, the purpose of these gifts are for the perfecting of the saints, so if, if you are the saints, if the believers in the church are the saints, what does the word perfecting mean? Now, again, sometimes we will take a, a, a word that um, has an older meaning and try to make it, a, make it apply to our meaning today. But the word perfecting means to mature. We're perfecting it, right? We're, make, we're trying to make it the very best that is possible, Right? That's what perfecting means. It doesn't mean we are perfect. It means we are being matured. We're trying to, we're, we're, we're working on maturity. Okay? We're being perfected. We're, we're working the rough edges out. We're trying to grow, right? So think about this. He says the purpose of the pastor is to help the saints to be perfected. You know, the, one of the reasons why many people do not want to become members of a church? Because they don't want to have the pastoral authority over them. They don't want the pastor having authority over them. They don't want the church having authority over them. I'll just do what I want to do. You know, one of the purposes of the pastor is not to let you do what you want to do. 
Now, I can't stop you doing from what you want to do in your own home and things, but one of my purposes is to preach the gospel to help you to know you shouldn't do what you just want to do. One of my purposes as the pastor is to perfect the saints. I am supposed to feed the flock. I am trying to help you to grow. I'm trying to lead in the way that God has has led me as the leader of the church. I'm trying to follow Jesus Christ. And as I'm following him, I'm trying to lead the flock as well. I'm trying to help them to grow. I'm trying to watch out for them. I'm trying to oversee them. And many times what happens in many Christians' lives is is we start getting away from God. We start getting away from what we want to do. And then the pastor preaches or the pastor comes and says, hey, brother, I'm really concerned about this. And I'm seeing in the area of your life that I'm really concerned. Well, who does he think he is? He's not perfect. No, never said I was perfect. But I am the pastor. God has placed me to be the pastor. Right? And if, as, if you are a member of this church, then you have to understand the purpose of the pastor is to shepherd, to oversee, to, to feed the flock. And when he sees the flock maybe going astray, saying, hey, you got to be careful there. That's not a good place to go. Don't, don't follow that doctrine. Don't listen to what they're saying there because that is wrong. You need to get back here in the word of God to find out what God says. Right? The perfecting of the saints That's his purpose. That's why he says to those back in Acts chapter 20, to feed the flock, oversee, help them to grow, right? Now, why? Why is that so important? Why is it important that the pastor helps to perfect the flock, the saints? By the way, can I say that if you're not here, it's hard to be perfected. If you're not here, right, and... And the pastor spends time uh, preparing messages and working for what God has for him. And Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, it's kind of hard to be fed if you're not here. It's true, right? Now, again, I understand sometimes work schedules and things like that. I understand people can't be here every single service. But there's a lot more that we probably could be that we've just said, you know, I'm just, you know, I don't really need that. If that's where your attitude, can I tell you, you do need it? If you just think you don't need it, then I'm going to tell you, you really do. Because when we think that there's a time when we don't need to be perfected, that we don't need to, to be in the Word of God, and we don't need to hear preaching and teaching of the Word of God, then we have come to a point where we really do need it. Perfecting of the saints. Why? Why are the saints to be perfected? Notice, for the work of the ministry. For the work of the ministry. So he says the pastor is perfecting the saints. He's helping the saints to grow spiritually. Why? Just so that they can say, hey, look at me. Look how spiritual I am. No. That's not what it's about. What does he say? For the work of the ministry. For the work of the ministry. I'm not sure why, but somehow in our culture in America, we have really confused the office of the pastor. Somehow we think because we pay the pastor full-time, part-time, whatever it is, that that means his responsibility is to do all the work. That means if the church needs cleans, well, that's what we pay the pastor for. You know, if, if doors need to be knocked, well, that's what we pay the pastor for. If people need to be discipled, that's what we pay the pastor for. You know, if anything needs to be done, well, that's why we pay the pastor. Um, no. That's not it. That is not it at all. 
If that's your attitude about it, well, we just pay the pastor so he can do all the work, then you have the wrong understanding of the gifts that God has given to the church. Wrong understanding. Now, am I thankful that the church uh, takes care of my family? Yes, I am. But the reason why I'm able to do what I'm able to do is because the church takes care of me. The reason why I can make a hospital visit at 10 o'clock in the morning or be at a funeral at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or something like that is because the church takes care of me so that I can do those things. The reason why I'm able to, to spend hours and hours studying the Word of God and praying is because the church takes care of me, right? But the work of the ministry, the work of the ministry, not supposed to be done by the pastor supposed to be done by the saints supposed to be done by the saints for the edify or excuse me for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry it is the believers it is the body again here's here's the thing and again i'm thankful the percentage is not this in, in our church but in the average church 90 percent of the work is done by 10 percent of the people of the work in the church is done by 10% of the people. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Now, I'm thankful that in our church it's not that percentage. I'm thankful that that percentage is much higher. But I can say this, it's not 100%. It's not 100%. If we truly want to be the church that God desires us to be, it ought to be 100%. Why? Because there is unity. There is unity. We are one body, so we are all participating in the ministry. We're all working in the ministry. Again, I'm not saying everybody does everything, right? There are different gifts. There are different opportunities to serve, right? There are different ways to serve. But everybody ought to be involved in something. Everybody ought to be involved somehow in serving in the ministry, but we get this idea, well, you know, I just, you know, I just can't do it. I, don't, I, I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't learn all that stuff in the Bible. You know, I, I don't, uh, you know, um, maybe I'm a little too old or, uh, or maybe I've just, I, I don't have as much time as somebody else or whatever. No, no, no. We've got, to, we've got to just get rid of all these excuses, right? Get rid of all the excuses because here's what he says. God gave the gifts to the church for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, And if God didn't want the saints working in the ministry, he wouldn't have given given the gifts to the church. He gave the gifts to the church for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And here's why. Look, this this is so important that we understand this, right? Why is the pastor supposed to help the people to grow? Why is it so important for the saints to be involved in the ministry? Everybody being involved somehow serving the Lord in the ministry. Why? Here's what he says. For the edification of the body of Christ. Watch, that's what he says. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, what does the word edify mean? It means to strengthen. It means to help it to grow. Why are we struggling in churches today? Why are we seeing more churches closing their doors? Why? Because we're not following God's pattern. We're not following it. When the church is not strengthened, can I tell you this? When only 10% of the people are doing 90% of the work, that church is going to fall apart. It's going to die. Because that's not the way it was intended to be. It's going to die. 
It's when the church is being edified, the church is being strengthened, when everybody is involved and, and everybody is growing in their walk with God. Again, I understand we're, we're at different levels spiritually, but everybody ought to be growing somewhere. Wherever you're at, you ought to be growing spiritually in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, when we come and we, we listen to the preaching of the word of God, there ought to be something in our life that convicts us. Uh, just over the weekend at the, the conference there, Dr. Gibbs. Dr. Gibbs is not a pastor. He, he's not a preacher. He's a lawyer. Well, let me tell you something. He can preach. <laughs> and as I was sitting there listening to Dr. Gibbs preaching, I, I know, hey, as a pastor, a lot of people think, well, man, pastor, his spiritual level must be like way up here and we're like way down here. And I'm thinking, God, I don't, I don't know anything. And I'm listening to him preach, and I'm thinking, God, you're convicting me. I need to be convicted because I need to be growing spiritually in my life as well. It doesn't matter if I may be a little bit higher. I can tell you this. I may be here, but I know there's other people in the church that are up here. There's some of you I'm not as spiritual as. There's some of you that, that you, man, you, you walk with the Lord, you, you're in the word, you're praying. I mean, you just have a close walk with God. And you know what? It's not like I'm saying I want to be like you. No, I just need to keep growing just like you do. Every one of us needs to keep growing in our walk with the Lord. Why? For the edifying of the body of Christ. His desire is to equip every believer in the local church is to be equipped for the work of the ministry. We're, we're being equipped. Why? This enables the edifying, the building, the strengthening of the body of Christ. Again, think about what he says back in, at the end of verse number 16. He says, In the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The body should continue as a body of believers. We ought to continue to try to be growing in our walk with God. Growing in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ so that we are able to edify, we're able to strengthen. Hey, can I tell you something? We need strong churches in our society. We need strong churches. But strong churches will only be when Christians are perfected, when they're working in the ministry, then the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the only way it happens. That's the only way. It's not about the size of a building or the size of a congregation. That's not it at all. A strong church will only happen when we follow what God has said. When we look at these gifts that God has given to the church, yes, every person has an individual gift, but God has given specific gifts to every believer in the church. The prophets, the apostles, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, they were given for a purpose, to perfect the saints to help the believers to grow in their spiritual walk, for the work of the ministry so that everybody is involved in serving the Lord. Think about what could be done if everybody was involved. I understand that not everybody is able to go out. Uh, when we have like our outreach on this coming Thursday, I know, understand some people are not able to walk. They're just physically not able to do that. I understand that, right? But what would happen if, if those of us who are physically able to walk would say, hey, you know what, as, as a part of the church, I want, to, I want to help the church to grow. And so we're going to go out, we're going to work together. We're going to work together for the cause of Christ and trying to reach people in this community. What would happen if everybody that was able to showed up? You think we might be able to do more? 
For the cause of Jesus? I think so. But what happens? But if only 15, 20 show up, when there could be 200 that show up, not as much is able to get done. If 200 could show up and only 15, 20 do, how is that really going to help to strengthen and edify the body? You see what I'm saying? That's why it's so important that we understand these gifts are there for our edification, right? The purpose is there to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And we're going to have to stop there because I don't have time to continue. We're going to look at this next week, continue looking at the purpose. But can I ask you today, are you fulfilling God's purpose for your life? Your life. Are you being perfected, right? Are you growing in your walk with the Lord? If not, why not? Why aren't you growing? Are you involved? Are you serving? Again, if not, why not? Because the whole purpose of it is the edifying of the body of Christ. If I'm not growing, if I'm not serving, that affects the whole body. It doesn't just affect me. It affects the whole body. Because now the body's not able to function the way God intended it to be. Every one of us are important. That's why he says every member in particular. Every one of us is important for exactly what God wants us to do. I wonder if their heads bowed and their eyes closed this morning. Father, I pray that you'd help us in this. Lord, help us to truly understand the purpose of the church is not just to, to meet as a social gathering. Lord, we are to be perfected as believers. We are to be involved in the ministry and serving together for the body of Christ. To strengthen it, to help it to grow, to be a strong body, to fulfill the purpose that you've given to the church. Lord, I pray you to help us to understand if if we're not doing our part, it doesn't just affect me, it affects the whole body. If we're not growing spiritually, that's going to affect the whole body. If we're not serving and ministering, that affects the whole body. The whole body is not growing and being edified as you would desire. So, Father, I pray you to help us. Lord, to understand the purpose that you have given for these gifts. Lord, may we fulfill that purpose in our lives. With their heads bowed and their eyes closed, we're just going to stand quietly this morning. The piano's just going to begin to play softly.